This week on Erotic Awakening, cutting BDSM without sex, no sunlight for you. Hey, patron supporters, we have a special in February for you. Head over to our list of video offerings and you get anyone you want free. Click on Classes on Demand and let us know which one you want and we'll send you a code. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. <laughs> we want to thank all of our patron supporters. Head over to patreon.com slash erotic awakening today and get your bonus content and support the show. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dawn. How are you this fine, fine, warm, beautiful February day? Isn't it funny to say warm and February at the same time? I know. But, but that is what it is. We can already tell we're down in Southwest Arizona and we can already tell spring is coming, even though it's mid-February. Each week, it's getting a little bit warmer and a little bit warmer. So it is uh, supposed to be a high of almost 80 today. And three more shows. We will be wheels up and heading into Tucson. Colder climbs. So starting in Tucson, and then we are working our way to Columbus, well, Cincinnati, Ohio, by the second week of April. I, I never realized how big this country is until we started started driving in the RV around it. So, But we will be there for the Grand Fetish Affair. And you'll find out more about that shortly. Mm -hmm. But before then, Dawn, lately on the podcast, we have been exploring some subjects that we have not done before, including, uh, now we've done needles before. Wait. How's that possible? We've been at it this for 15 years. Are you saying there's topics we've not covered? There is, or <laughs> our memory is that bad. <laughs> so we've done needles before, but recently we did needles again. And then we talked about blood play, which I don't think we've done before. Mm-mm. But let's take that up a notch. And today we are talking about cuttings. And when we talk about cuttings, well, I, I don't know anything about them with the exception of the pretty pictures that I see. And that's okay, because today on the podcast, fortunately for us, we have Coral Mallow, who not only knows a lot about cuttings, but also somebody who we have known for a quite a while. Let's not play the count the years game, because that is... <laughs> It's a little scary now when we start counting years, so it's, it's getting it up there. So, hi, Coral. Hello, darlings. <laughs> it's so, good to see you again. It really again. is. So, let me start off by asking this simple question. When, I, when we talk about cuttings, what are we talking about? We are talking about, if you're good, uh, designs cut into your skin for the purpose of recreation or scarification that make you feel pretty or connected through ritual or something of that nature. We are not talking self-harm. That is a different thing. Mm -hmm. But cuttings can be an incredible act of self-reclamation, self-proclamation, and anything that a tattoo can give you, a cutting, a flesh removal, a piercing. It's all the body modification ways of feeling in your skin the way you wish it was. Now, if you're not quite getting there, it's easier to picture. If you head over to, and you turned us on to someone named Phoenix B, and that is their FetLife profile is the word Phoenix, and then followed yes. by the letter One B. One of the best teachers there is. And wow, there are some wonderful pieces of art out here. So That's can good. I ask you a, a advanced question right off the bat? And I usually start <laughs> with, 
<laughs> I usually start with lighter questions, but you said something and I'm like, oh, I want to ask that and I'm going to forget. But you said cutting or flesh removal. Yes. Does cutting always involve flesh removal? Because that's no. what I saw once. And I'm like, oh, I can't do that. No, and it shouldn't. Okay, um, cool. So flesh removal is literally just that. And it's actually usually two cuts to take a chunk of flesh out to leave a purposeful scar that is wide. And we're going to talk about keloids and fun things later. But yeah, so that is for a very specific type of scar. It leaves a mark sometimes similar to a brand cauterization versus a pen cauterization. So yes, you went straight to the deep end. I We're went right, straight, right here. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> straight to the deep end because I used to think that I wanted to see, Dan and I, when we first got together, oh my gosh, I was like, I want to be branded. I want to, I want your initials carved into me. I want that. And then I saw what I thought was a cutting, but was a flesh removal. And That'll I'm like, do oh no, no, <laughs> I cannot do that here. And we got a tattoo instead. So when it comes to cutting, and I know Dan's here scrolling through pictures, he, <laughs> we've lost him. <laughs> well, actually, the advantage to this is here's one that I hope that our audience can ver uh, visualize. Here's a wonderful cutting of a boot print on a person's back. And if you can visualize a boot print being pressed onto someone's back, then you can visualize what I'm looking at right now, except for it was created via... And it, I, I don't know, some kind of device that cut this person's skin to leave that impression behind. Hopefully a scalpel. That's uh, <laughs> but, but there are some things that we should talk about because we are kinksters, which means we're very enthusiastic. And enthusiasm makes people not bright. <laughs> and that is, that is facts. We are also 90% diagnosed and undiagnosed neurodivergence, which means we are impulsive, which makes us not bright. <laughs> um, these, are, these are the things that keep me beloved and unpopular at the same time by calling people out here. And when we talk about things like cuttings, there's such a weight to it because there's so many taboos involved with it. And the major one is the sundering of flesh mm -hmm. of any kind with the addition of the cultural practice and stigmatization of the self-harm cutting, which not for all of it, but a lot of it is sensory seeking exploration for mm -hmm. many people. Mm -hmm. You'd be amazed. The, the direct proportion of hangs from flesh hooks has weighted dinosaur proportion. Like it, it's a lot of sensory seeking behaviors mm -hmm. and that is not wrong. Uh, and, and it's not everyone. It's not exact. I'm, I'm making a slight joke, but it's only very slight if you know the, the ratio. With cuttings, I find that there is something really beautiful because anytime you, you cut the skin, there is a very high chance it will leave some mark, even if it's imperceptible. Even if you're doing needle play, if you pierce the skin, you're going to get a micro scar and you have to plan for that. So there is a chance that if you do surface cutting, so like they're basically scratches on the top mm -hmm. of the, the skin, that will heal up very low chance, but still a chance that it's going to leave a permanent mark. And then the deeper you go, you definitely will definitely get a scar, but you don't have to cut very deep to get a permanent mark 
if you want it, if you know how to do the cutting and you know, and you've gone to a practitioner who's studied and learned the tricks and has learned to ask you really important questions like, have you ever done this before? Have you ever gotten a cut accidentally before? Do you have a scar from it? Like we all have, we're like a bunch of us are near a kitchen. You wanna know if you keloid? For those of you who don't know what keloid is, it is a massive tissue that can form through healing. It is 3D <laughs> and it is very difficult to remove and if ever. Mm-hmm. So, and any design that you want can be utterly obliterated if you keloid, if you are a BIPOC there is a much higher chance of you keloiding. I really recommend a test cut, but I recommend that for anybody because it's a podcast. You can't see me. I'm practically translucent. I'm a Jewish queer, so I have tested myself. And interestingly, there are parts of my body where I will keep a mark more than other parts. Hmm. Another thing one should consider when thinking about cuttings is your blood conditions. If you are anemic, if you are diabetic, I'm diabetic. I have in-controlled blood sugars, but as a practitioner of cuttings, if I know someone is diabetic, I am not cutting below the waist. I will do arms, I will do chest, I will do back. I will sometimes do stomach. But But not below the legs. What's the reasoning for that? Because a lot of diabetics, especially around things like feet and, you know, like I'll do like, so thighs and things you're wearing pants or even skirts. Those are high rub areas and very easy to get infected. Diabetics can take a really long time to recover from infection. And when you're recovering from an infection from a cut, your body is not as good at fighting off other things. And we're still living in a pandemic and I'm not gonna be responsible for that. It's my personal choice. There are other practitioners who will do that, but it's my choice based on my scholarship. And then other things like the products you use for prep and aftercare and whether or not there's allergies and you have just all sorts of uh, mobility questions. Can you show it? How long does it take you to heal? Perfectly normal people can take forever to heal from a cut. It's it's all of these things to figure out just as you would a tattoo, just as you would a tattoo. Um, Everyone thinks because it is a blade to skin that there's different considerations. And there is, but only slightly. We're talking about take every experience as the potential of a permanent mark and move with intention through your experience. Which is why I always say like, get like a little heart or just a little arrow or something just so you can see how you heal and get it on your forearm if you can, because this is a high traffic area. I'm showing. I love this. I'm showing you it's a podcast. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) I'm learning. So yeah, I I see, I see your forearm. (laughs) And it's a high traffic area. It's a thing that you're going to see and move. So if you wear long sleeves or things, you'll know how it heals. Uh, One of the reasons that we decided not to go through with the cutting years mm -hmm. and years ago was because Dan learned that he couldn't control the healing. So like you said, the keloid, how it heals, if it heals, if it heals too much, if one piece of it heals a little better than the other, how, how do you control that? How do you have some control of that? Is there a way? Oh, yeah. Just like there's a way you can control to a certain extent, but you cannot control what the body does. Like, mm-hmm. here's the thing, like good nutrition, sleep, making sure that you're not irritating it, that it's covered. A lot of people who get bad infections go and say, I did the thing. Oh, that didn't hurt so much. They get the wound care on it, the plastic wrap or whatever, 
they're getting done, Tegaderm, whatever they're using this week. And then they take it off like 15 minutes later because it's ugly and they want to show it off. Those people get infected. And I'm just like, "Mm, some people's children, you've made a life choice, (laughs) (laughs) which is different from, you know, washing it and then redoing it. So basically you can just give yourself the care. You are wounding yourself for art. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's going to take some time to heal. And you have to allow yourself the grace and the space to do it. This is this is going to sound really strange. It was one of the things I, I usually ask, and it's, some people see it as a very invasive question, but I've had people want to get designs, needles, any sort of blood work done on the stomach. My first question is, do you have kids? Because they're going to land right on oh, top yeah. of it. Now take a running leap because they haven't seen you all weekend. And you're going to get a headbutt to whatever a footprint <laughs> right in the middle. And that's going to pull on your design. And that's going to open a wound that was previously tenuously closed. And so I recommend they wear overalls. (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't use that word, something to protect you should you choose that. Um, Because lifestyle injures a person more than the actual act. Mm. Injuries and healing are affected by external factors far more than they're affected by the actual event. Now, are you a a giver of cuttings as well as a receiver or just one side or the other? I received more before my diabetic diagnosis. As a... I do give mm -hmm. and I I cut on myself to make pretty designs as well just because it's fun and I like pretty things. And and that was the the question that I was going to ask. As a receiver, Mm -hmm. what is the thrill or the interest or of receiving is there always what you described earlier sounded more like it was a significant perhaps spiritual aspect but like some people like spankings just because of the enjoyment of the sensation so what is the thrill in receiving so settle in i love this question i (laughs) let me explain how much i love this question so the thrill of receiving first of all attention there is something about whether don't care what side of your everyone's dominant and everyone's submissive okay like fight me but anyway like just give me the situation but regardless of your what adjective you identify as right put that to the left there is something truly powerful about saying here is an experience I would like to have. Please do this with me, for me, to me, to anybody. Like, it's such a thrill. And everyone's like, oh, tattoos. I'm like, go to a restaurant. Do you have any idea the joy you get when you know you're going to get the, that cheeseburger cooked in the perfect way and you don't have to do dishes afterwards? Glory, pure glory, right? Now, that is... That is a non, it's probably the most invasive, actually, if you think about it, because it's going inside you, whereas cuttings and things are temporary and they shouldn't go all that way deep. But what we're talking about is the thrill of taboo, because we as a society, especially white Western society, still have this, ooh, it's deep and dark. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Ooh, it's deep and dark. Your, your deep and dark fetish is somebody else's nine to five graphic design job. Calm down. And 
it is still that wonderful thrill we get of doing something we're not supposed to do. So all of that, because that's almost every kink, right? So what makes cuttings special? And the answer is blood. Blood is great. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we are absolutely going to talk about sensory seeking and types of sensations we do not get to experience. We're not supposed to experience. And that loving touch and whether it's the love of you or the love of the drawing or, or the act or whatever it is, that is between each practitioner and each receiver. That first piercing, that draw, that slice, that feel of intentional beauty being brought into the world. And I've done cuttings that are just to cut. There is no actual picture necessarily, but it was for them to feel the being cut because that sensation does something very specific to many people's brains. It is like insta-dopamine, insta-serotonin, and it lasts in a way that for many people, spankings, good boy, good girl, things like that, don't. It does something different because it cannot be shared. Ooh, it, is yeah. an, it is an item. It is that degree of separation. It is the thrill of the selfish hedonism of mm. this is for me. Even if it's for somebody else, whatever your kink is, that's your skin, your flesh, your mark. And when that sensation hits, there is a silence that comes across so many people. Everyone I've talked to, myself included, if you have a brain that doesn't shut up, if you're the Adderall babies, what's up people? But like, seriously, if your brain is never quiet, intensity is what helps. Mm -hmm. It's the difference between being in a crowded room full of people, everyone talking at once, and being at a concert where all of that noise is an overwhelming tide. This is a personal tide, that personal concert. And it can be an inch long and no one will ever see it again. And it is transformative for those of us who feel that. Yeah. It's amazing. Love wow. It. Mm. <laughs> so very passionate about it. How did yes. you know? How did you get interested in this? How did you find this? How did you get your beginning? <laughs> there used to be a conference in Seattle called Wicked Women. Okay. And that was my first introduction to actually seeing it performed. And it was pretty incredible. Now, I may have seen it before at other larger events, but I don't think I clocked it. Mm -hmm. I knew it was a thing, but I didn't know enough about it. Uh, and I had been a student of body modification, so I had seen the end result pictures, but I had never seen it performed. And the first time I got to see it performed and I got to question the instructor and we had a brilliant conversation and I got to talk to the person who had received it and the, the way the experience sat in both of their mouths was like mm -hmm. they, they had their own personal dessert in a way I had not ever seen. 
another person speak about a thing before i had that was in the beginning when i was a domlet you know like you have to break uh-huh. a few things <laughs> but i never wanted to approach kink from a perspective of how are we excluding people i always was curious why do we do this why does it attract a whole bunch of people who are like i am all alone in the world here i am in a room full of 200 people just like me what and so how did that work it was incredible so for people listening especially the younger crowd again i love my babies you may not know this but every part of the united states has a nickname and did for years it's kind of fallen off in the last decade but like the northeast was the hypno crowd but the pacific northwest from north california to well into canada is the bloodbath <laughs> this is where lesbians came to mate and everyone's like that seems really specific. You have never seen a bunch of women with access to unlimited woods, bikes, and surgical equipment. These these people made a <laughs> practice of it. And people would come from all over the country to come and study with them. Wow. There was a similar culture in New Orleans, but we don't have a lot of those records because of the, the violence that was down there and the fire that took out a lot of that history. Um, and a lot of the, the stuff that we have up here actually gets to be preserved in a lot of different ways, which is fantastic, but it is rare and special. So I grew up surrounded by bloodthirsty women in the kink scene, and I'm not <laughs> sad about it. Now, my bloodthirsty women have become my non-binaries and they thems and all sorts of wonderful gender expressions, but they're still bloodthirsty. There's something in the air. It comes down from the mountain. I don't know what it is. We're Very all mind cool. controlled by so, Sasquatch. So, Dan, do you remember mind control by Sasquatch? Yes. <laughs> that just we clicked. will cut you. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you remember the first fetish event that we went to? It was before our first party. Oh, yeah. It was in the back of the bar, mm-hmm. right? It was this huge fetish party. So, our first experience of real life seeing people do things was a fetish ball. And it was cutting. I forgot about that till just now. They had put out like rolls of butcher block paper and had cut someone and then rolled them on the paper so that it made designs with the blood. And then the next thing on the stage was the flesh hook tug of war. So I, I, it's a wonder that we made a second foray into the pink world because that was our first our first experience. Coral, let me ask you one last question. You've been very generous with your time so far. I am (laughs) concerned that what you're describing doesn't sound like something that average Jane Kinkster should even try to mess around with because of the, the danger, the danger, the possible negative impact. Uh, I'm sure that there are plenty of stories of cuttings gone wrong. And we do all kinds of crazy things in kink land with no formal training whatsoever. What is your take on that? Should people receive formalized training before they try cutting? Or is it more along the lines of flogging? Once you've attended a class, you should go buy a flogger and give it a shot. This is a complicated story. Okay, so here's the deal. Most of the people you know who have involved in the kink scene have had some experience with being cut whether it is artistic or otherwise. 
And a lot of people won't mention it because of the stigma. Mm. And so a lot of people will sit there and have had similar experiences, or they will equate it only with medical procedures. And there is a terror and a fear there, as well there should be. There is also this terrifying thing that we utilize on a daily basis called the internet, and the misinformation available is stunning. I, I, I get a, a throbbing vein in the middle of my eyes when I read some of the things that people are like, oh, some indigenous tribe over here. Shut up, white person. You made that up. No <laughs> one has ever documented that. You need to calm the fuck down. They'll be bleeping out so much of this. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm keeping it. <laughs> but here is the deal. You should always, when dealing with any sort of permanent body modification and anything where you get pierced in any capacity, gives the possibility of permanency. Learn. You got something better to do? You got something better to do than to learn from people who have been doing this for 10 plus years and who have a great ton of knowledge that they are wanting to share with you? You've literally spent how many dollars on books and floggers and what have you, you can drop 30 bucks to learn from an expert, calm. Like we, there needs to be as intense an approach to learning the activity as there is to acquiring the look, to acquiring the gear. The class is more important than your boots. Hmm. The class mm -hmm. is more important than your boots because when you take a class and if you take a class from somebody who is incredibly high quality, they will have had training from professional piercers and or medical professionals and or both. Mm -hmm. And yes, I have had these. You will learn about bloodborne pathogens. You will learn about proper prep care. You will learn that there are two major kinds of prep care and one can lead to allergies and one does not. Technicare people go with Technicare, you know, and <laughs> like all the debates around what is proper surface care. And there are things I will tell people that will be contradicted by other practitioners. And that is where you have to be a cognitive adult with critical thinking skills. And if you are not a cognitive adult with critical thinking skills, no, you should not be piercing anybody. No, get no, that is not the activity for you. And that is no shame. There is no level of intensity in kink. If it makes your heart speed up and brings you connection, a spanking is as intense, if not more, than a cutting. Do the activities that bring you joy, not the activities that you think bring you status. Because mm. that's how stupid happens. <laughs> Don't be stupid. You're dangerous. Get out of my dungeon. You're going to learn about the aftercare. You're going to learn about what to happen when things go wrong. You're mm -hmm. going to learn about history. And the best part is you're going to meet other people and you're going to get to hear stories and see people's art. And there is nothing more intimate than the stories behind the art that you will get to see mm -hmm. and experience. And that is what fosters community. And that is what fosters connection. And that is what makes us a community that is powerful versus a community that is weak. Even if it's something you decide you do not want to do, it does give you a basis of knowledge for somebody who you know who might want to do it. It's fantastic. There's nice. no losing. Right. Unless unless you're 
like really freaked out by blood, then just skip this whole then thing. Then skip the whole thing, right? Skip the whole thing. <laughs> we should learn about bloodborne pathogens anyway. But like, it's you have this wonderful opportunity to foster connection and understanding, even if it is something you don't want. And if it's something you do want, it is a chance to have an experience that you're not going to get anywhere else. You're just not. It's Coral, unique. we had the opportunity to talk to you about a half dozen different topics, and we fell upon this one, but certainly <laughs> your breadth and wisdom in the community with all things kink is widely respected. If people oh. wanted to get a hold of you to talk about this or other topics or have you come out and present at one of their great events, how would they get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me at anything that says Coral Mallow. I am on FetLife. I am on Instagram. If you want to contact me directly, CoralTheMagnificent at gmail.com. Please, <laughs> please, I hope only your listeners hear that. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to get some really <laughs> weird emails. But Just because there are listeners doesn't mean you're not going to get weird emails from them as well. Yeah, this is true. But I absolutely love hearing from people. I love teaching at events. I love sharing what I have. I am also very busy and do not answer things immediately. You will be answered in one to seven business days as my brain and ADHD allow. Fantastic. I'll take it personal. I probably don't know you. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with us for a little bit and talking about this. And I'm looking forward to you starting a podcast. You have a lot of views and opinions that you should share and i feel like you could do what we do which is basically just talk until somebody pulls the plug <laughs> uh, which happens to us all the time indeed don i don't know where coral lives because they are a ireland. world traveler all over the place are they in tucson or maryland or ohio or pennsylvania or indiana or chicago or michigan or any of the other places we'll be appearing oh probably not but maybe so but keep up with all of our events book news discounts and more via the erotic awakening newsletter and get your ea shout out like kaylee from ohio or and kelly from ohio or both <laughs> head over to eroticawakening.com and subscribe today kelly pretty clearly. it is kelly's and i'm super excited because she was just on one of my zoom calls and followed through with jumping onto the newsletter uh, Don, somebody asked me the other day that they were interested in getting involved in the BDSM community, but they were not particularly interested in having sex with everybody. And although that's not exactly how they put that question, that is exactly what they were asking. I be involved in BDSM without it being sexual? Absolutely. I think we just did a show on this maybe a month or two ago we as did. well, where we actually explained it just a little bit more. And, you know, it, it, it depends what you're looking for. Some of us, we like to combine it. Some don't, some it's just about BDSM. Some they, they, for me, it depends on who the person is that I'm playing with or what kind of mood I'm in, but can you go into BDSM and not have to incorporate sex? Absolutely. It is what you want to make it. And I want to answer, uh, because we answered for the general, not as you mentioned about a month ago, I'm going to mm -hmm. answer for myself in a very specific way, and I'm going to ask you to do the same. Yes, sir. And uh, because uh, Coral signed a contract, she has to answer this question as well. <laughs> Actually, we don't do contracts or signing. We just put people on the spot. So for me, there's a, variations. There's two main variations for me why I do BDSM. 
One is because somebody at an event that I've never met before approaches me and says, hey, would you like to do a thing? I don't think I have, to my memory, I don't approach people at BDSM events and say, hey, do you want to play? Um, instead, when I do even reach out, I will post to the event board beforehand and say, I am interested in this kind of thing. If you're interested in that kind of thing, feel free to reach out. Or I might see somebody else post something really interesting and I might reach out to them. I am not a classical pickup player. In those situations, chances are I am not going to involve a lot of sex or sexuality. With my longer-term partners, I will include sex in our BDSM play if that's the kind of relationship we have. I have multiple power exchange relationships where they were non-sexual. They were about power exchange. They included BDSM, but they never included what the standard classical, classical sex, view yeah. of sex would be. At this phase of my life, this has changed for me. I think I prefer a more sensual, intimate BDSM experience that includes what the common person would say, oh, that's that's sex. Now, it's very un likely I will involve my penis unless you are indeed a long-term partner. But as far as the boundaries of sexuality, uh, I like to slip past those when I have that opportunity, When if I'm going to play BDSM with someone. How about you? <laughs> you like sex with your BDSM now that you've grown up. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's what I heard. <laughs> Whereas for me, I run the gamut as in I have certain events that I go to where I have play partners there or people that I play with there where it is not sexual. It is just BDSM. And I like to be thrown over a spanking bench and caned or whipped or spanked or whatever. And that is the scene and there's no sex involved whatsoever. I love those scenes. I also have play partners where there is absolutely sex involved. I have my long-term partners where everything we do is kinky and sexy. So I don't know that you and I actually break apart separate sex and BDSM. It's very rare that when Dan and I play that it's it's separate. Usually it's a good combination. Me and my other long-term partner, Big D, also very much a combination. But when I'm at an event, I'm okay with just experiencing the sensation of the BDSM scene without sex. Mm -hmm. So, you know, good combination. And then Coral, I think the time that you and I played, and I want to hear about you personally too, but the time that you and I played would have been at Smart. Yes. Or it was called Kinko de Mayo at the time, maybe, or Smart Fest. And ours went a direction that I absolutely love as well, which was ritualistic. It was a very yeah. spiritual ritualistic. So I like those scenes as well, right? And they can take on whatever whatever forms. So when it comes to you, I remember that scene. My brain Jeez. sucks, but I remember that scene. I remember where it was located at in that building. I remember lots of stuff. So I remember crying. I, it was a good scene. And I was I'm a very, very honored, good by scene. the way. Yes, that was You amazing. are a very in-demand person, as you should be. <laughs> but I have a question before I answer. Which oh, question okay. am I answering? Can you have sex? Can you have BDSM without sex? Or do I like to have BDSM without sex? Because I'm, I'm confused. In this regard, yeah. We're talking okay. personally. 
we about a month ago we talked about mm -hmm. it as a general topic. Now we're asking you personally. Me specifically. Okay. Yes. I am hypersexual. I am also insanely picky. This is my personal hell. So <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I am an incredibly sensual, tactile creature. And there are people who have played with me who will argue that even though no flesh was present in a scene they had with me, that we absolutely fucked. Because that's the energy I bring. I am a powerhouse of sensual, sexual energy. And that is one of the things I tell people, which is sometimes why you can start off in one place and we wind up in a ritual space. That that happens sometimes. Right. <laughs> but, but also, it is also a way for me to find people who are very uncomfortable with that energy and say, I am not the right person for you to play with. I might open up pieces or have access entries into traumas that you're not ready to look at yet, or not even traumas, just places of emotional lexicon you have yet to develop. I am not a beginner step. I am the BBEG. I am the next level shit. And <laughs> while I teach beginner courses, and there's a difference between performance as a presenter where I'm being paid to represent, Coral, the play person, the kinkster, I identify as a dragon. It is, it is not by accident. You will get burned. <laughs> I am an all-consuming <laughs> being. And for me, I, I have to have the energy of it, mm -hmm. the tension of it, uh, the taste of it, that, that desire, that need, that push and pull, whether it's punching, which is one of my favorite things in mm -hmm. life, or just intensive samurai eye stares of who's going to win the contest of wills or the softest, gentlest words. We don't talk enough about the kink of sensuality and just how many of us have had these intensive scenes. And then after the scene, we go to our people and what happens? There is a hand placed gently over the hand. Now, if we define sex as a soft and intimate connection, or an intense, intimate connection where we feel safe enough to take risks, which is the same definition of BDSM from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that all of it can be sexual or sensual, but it doesn't have to be intercourse. With the, mm -hmm. This tab A goes into slot B, however big your tab is, however encompassing your B is. <laughs> and that is not as necessary. What is necessary is the satisfaction of the people involved, the communication of the people involved, and pardon me while I get right up on this soapbox, the accountability of the people involved, because regret is not a consent violation. And I need people to understand that you get to take the risk, but you also get to take the accountability, mm -hmm. which does not diminish consent violations. But you have to take ownership of what you ask for and what you receive. I, and only I love then, that. Mm -hmm. Only then will your experience be good. That is it. <laughs> I, I do love the line of regret is not a consent violation. Yes. Awesome. Well, this has been a pleasure. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> you are always a delight, the two of you. I am so happy to both see you and hear you after so long. You are 
ever alight in this crazy ass world we live in, both the one we create in the kink world and in the greater planet. I'm so happy and pleased to know you both. I go to kink <laughs> events for the sanity compared to the rest of the world. Right? Be a part of the Erotic Awakening Podcast community. You can support us on Patreon and get early access to the podcast and free version of the audiobook, Polyamory Toolkit, free ebooks, member only discount access, and much more. Find all the goodies at patreon.com slash erotic awakening today. Help others find us. Take a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spit Five Pass, Switch Play, Keep It Now I got 10 and 120. I got 10 and 120. Or just tell your friends. Tell your friends. Join the conversation with us and other listeners. Use the links from the Erotic Waking website for our growing Discord channel. Feel free to reach out to us. Contact us with questions, podcast comments, or just to say hi. We are Dane and Dawn on Set Life and Erotic Awakening on Instagram. Or just email us at Dane and Dawn at eroticawakening.com. Bye, Dan. Bye, Bye Coral. Coral.